0: Hello, welcome back to our class in the Gospel of John, and before we begin, I have a couple of announcements. The first is that our in-person Bible class begins next week, so that would be uh, the f- September 14th and 16th. Uh, in-person Bible class will resume next week. Uh, The second thing I wanted to mention also is that uh, because of our wireless internet connection and how it works, or rather I should say how it doesn't necessarily work, uh, considering the distance between the router and our wireless camera, I'm not going to be able to live stream our Bible classes, but we will record them and then we will put them up. And what I'm planning to do is, I'll record the Monday night class and then I'll have to process it and then I'll set it to go up uh, Wednesday after 12 o'clock noon. Uh, So, apologize, Promise that we would uh, do live streaming, but that doesn't seem to be possible. Uh, Not at this time. We do I do have some plans to upgrade some of our uh, media and routing and all of that, but uh, Can't do it quite yet. So we will have online Bible study with video, but it will not be live stream Okay, let's get into our (coughs) lesson on John chapter 6 And Uh, Here we have Jesus feeding the 5,000. After this, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he was performing on those who were sick. Jesus went up on the hillside and sat down there with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. We'll pause here uh, and should note after this. Uh, this is taking us right into the feeding of the 5,000. At the end of chapter 5 Jesus was in Jerusalem. He healed a man at the pool of Bethesda Uh, The Jewish leaders complained, you're healing on a Sabbath. And then that's where we left Jesus, in Jerusalem. Now with no transition and no explanation at all, John says, after this, Jesus crossed over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Other side would mean from Jerusalem. The other side would be the north side. Uh, When we get to the feeding of the 5,000, uh, there are a couple sites that people think are the likely places for the feeding of the 5,000. One is Bethsaida, which is on uh, near Capernaum, on the, the north end of the Sea of Galilee. One, another place is a little bit farther to the west, but also on the north side. So, on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, on the north side. Uh, it was also called the Sea of Tiberias because, and if I have the map up here, uh, on the west side of, of there was a city called Tiberias, named after the Emperor Tiberius. So uh, verse 4 mentions that the Jewish Passover was near. Uh, this would be the second Passover uh, of Jesus' ministry. The first Passover was right around the time uh, John chapter 2, Jesus cleansed the temple around the time of one Passover. This is the second Passover, and then Jesus' suffering and death will be during the third Passover. Uh, Verses 5 and 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, Where can we buy bread for these people to eat? But Jesus was saying this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Well, here we have another who is Jesus moment. Who is Jesus? He is the all-knowing Son of God. He knows what's going to happen. He has in mind what he's going to do. But he asks questions anyway. Why would Jesus ever have to ask any question, never to gain information, but sometimes to get attention, Uh, sometimes to get people's thoughts moving. And so imagine uh, Philip coming to Jesus, uh, look at all these people, and Jesus asks, Philip, where can we buy bread for all these people to eat? And then verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them just to have a little. Imagine the disciples panic. Uh, In Matthew or Luke, I believe, yeah, I think it was in Luke that the disciples come to Jesus and say look at this crowd it's getting late in the day send the people away and Jesus says you give them something to eat. Imagine the disciples panic and Jesus lets them panic Uh, and uh, think of what's coming up uh, in just a little bit. The, The thing 200 denarii worth of bread, a denarius was a typical day's wage, uh, 200 denarii. So, uh, 200 days' wages, six months' wages, a uh, little more than six months' wages would not be enough for each of them to have, an, uh, just a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, "There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what is that?" for so many people. Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down. There were about about 5,000 men. Again, imagine the disciples panic. Uh, As Luke tells it, they were panicking because it's late in the day, these people don't have anything to eat, and now Jesus says, Have them sit down. And here's five loaves of bread for 5,000 uh, and then Jesus takes care of the problem. We've seen this before. Uh, Mary leans over to Jesus at the wedding and says they've run out of wine and Jesus says my time is not yet come. Uh, what's coming later in this gospel as we read it in Matthew, uh, this is in a sermon a few weeks ago, Peter walks out to Jesus on the water and Jesus waits to still the storm until they get into the boat. He lets Peter panic a little bit. He lets Mary wonder about the wine. He lets the disciples panic about uh, so many people and so little food and then he takes care of it. Uh, This reminds me a little bit of Abraham. This is some faith training. Uh, I've got this. You don't need to worry. And then they worry anyway, and then he has another episode, another instance where, don't worry, I've got this. They panic anyway. Uh, Teaching them to, to trust by showing his power. Uh, verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves and after giving thanks he distributed the pieces to those who were seated. He also did the same with the fish as much as they wanted. When the people were full he told his disciples gather the pieces that are left over so that nothing is wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the, from the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. When the people saw the miraculous sign Jesus did, they said, this really is the prophet who is coming into the world. Um, Even with his unlimited supply, what does Jesus say? Let nothing be wasted. Uh, That is a lesson to us about all of our blessings when we have much, still let nothing be wasted. Uh, verse 14, uh, John has a habit of calling Jesus miracles miraculous signs and just like a sign on the side of the road, that means it points to something and we see what it points to. The people see the miraculous sign and they say, this is the prophet who is coming into the world. Remember at the end of chapter 5, Uh, Jesus was referring to Moses, and he said, Moses wrote about me. Uh, There's the passage in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. Some people thought John the Baptist was that prophet. Now they see Jesus is the prophet. Uh, Now, verse 15 uh, the people see the miraculous sign. They say, this is the prophet who has come to come into the world. And now what do they say? What do they want to do? When Jesus realized that they intended to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The people want to make Jesus a king. He withdraws. What's happening here? Well, there's a couple things happening here. Uh, One is Jesus fed this crowd of thousands with just a few loaves and fish. The people recognize it as something miraculous. And from what we see later, they keep asking for a free lunch. What will you do to show us? uh, What can you do to prove? yourself to us. What must we do to do the works God requires to get another free lunch? There's more to it than just the free lunch. Uh, There's some patriotism. Uh, There's some desire for revolution going on here too. And so a little history, I always say that before I go on for 20 minutes, but a little history Uh, Around 300 B.C. Alexander the Great came down from Greece and uh, conquered everything from Greece to Turkey to Palestine uh, to Egypt and he went all the way uh, toward Persia and then he died in India. But that was Alexander the Great, right around the year 300 BC, and then hundred, 150 years or so later, uh, when Alexander the Great died, his empire was uh, divided up among his generals, and then Syria and Palestine uh, were run by uh, a dynasty called the Seleucids. And there was one of them, uh, King Antiochus IV, who uh, had delusions of being a god. Uh, The Romans had that uh, later with calling their emperors gods. The Egyptians had been doing that for thousands of years already. Antiochus thought it was a good idea, so he set up a, a statue of himself in the temple and in Jerusalem and uh, sacrificed a pig on the altar and uh, the Jews couldn't take that. It was a graven image, it was idolatry, and it was not kosher. And so this family of priests named the Maccabees rose up and uh, started to fight against the Greeks and just as Antiochus was going to put down the rebellion, Antiochus died and then the Jews were free. And uh, the Maccabee family later was called the Hasmoneans, and they ruled until 37 BC, and that's the rise of Herod, and uh, the Roman presence in Judea. And so in their memory, their national memory, People remembered things about the Maccabees the same way that we remember things about Ben Franklin and George Washington and American Revolution and freedom, only at this time they were under the Romans. And they were being heavily taxed by the Romans. And there's that old saying, history repeats itself. Sometimes people have a desire for history to repeat itself. Just as we were oppressed by the Greeks, now we're oppressed by the Romans. Just as the Maccabees rose up, maybe somebody can rise up to get rid of the Romans. So that also was what that thing about making him a king by force was about. It's also what Palm Sunday was about. Uh, We'll get to that later. So Jesus has retreated to the mountain. Uh, by himself, and he's sent sent his disciples on ahead. Uh, and uh, as we read about the same event in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus looks out, he sees his disciples struggling in a storm, struggling in the wind. So he walks out to them, and. Uh, So, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was already dark and Jesus had not yet come out to them. A strong wind started to blow and the sea became rough. After they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea toward their boat and they were afraid. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Uh, Matthew uh, records a few details that John does not. In both, there's wind, uh, there's waves, the disciples struggling, and then they see Jesus and they're startled and he says it is I do not be afraid. Matthew tells us about Peter wanting to walk on the water with Jesus and Peter sinking. John leaves that out and probably for the reason he wants to emphasize who is Jesus, the powerful Son of God. Uh, and so now In verses 22 and following, now here's the crowd. Uh, The next day the crowd stayed on the other side of the sea, uh, noticed that only one boat was there. They also knew that Jesus had not stepped into the boat with his disciples, but they had gone away without him. Other boats from Tiberias came to shore near the place where they ate the bread after the Lord gave thanks. Thanks. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Well, uh, just for some perspective, how, we might wonder, how does the the crowd see at that kind of distance? Uh, We have to remember the Sea of Galilee is smaller than Lake Winnebago. Uh, Lake Winnebago is about uh, 10 miles wide and 30 miles long and the Sea of Galilee is about eight miles wide and about 13 miles long. Uh, so I've had oh, uh, trips to uh, Manitowoc, uh, trips to Appleton where I have to drive around Lake Winnebago. And so if you're on uh, the Eastern Shore you can see the North Shore. Uh, you can see part of the West Shore. Uh, and the Sea of Galilee would would be a lot like that. So the Sea of Galilee is not an ocean. It's smaller than Lake Winnebago. So they would have had some visibility they would be able to see, is there somebody on the lake? Are there boats moving? Um, and verse 23 says, other boats from Tiberias. Tiberius would have been on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. And Capernaum was at the north end. Uh, and that's a place where Jesus frequently visited and he worked out of Capernaum. Some of his disciples were from Capernaum. Uh, When they find Jesus, they ask, Rabbi, when did you get here? And they don't say it, but maybe you can sense it. Rabbi, when did you get here? We've been waiting for the next free lunch. Uh, And Jesus knows it. uh, Despite recognizing him as the prophet, The lunch is their priority. And so Jesus says, starting with verse 26, uh, Jesus answers them, Amen, amen, I tell you, you are not looking for me because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not continue to work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So they said to him, what should we do to carry out the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. Uh, We're getting into another one of Jesus' metaphor parables that causes confusion And for Jesus it's intentional. He wants to get their attention and he uses the confusion to keep the conversation going. Think of Nicodemus talking about, Jesus talking about being born again with Nicodemus and Nicodemus gets confused and keeps asking questions. And Jesus with uh, the woman at the well, he talks about living water and the woman gets confused and thinks, oh, it'd be great to have Not to have to come to this well anymore. And now he's talking about uh, uh, food that endures to eternal life. Bread of life. I am the bread of life. No one will eat. Whoever eats of me will not go hungry. And then the people keep thinking free lunch, free lunch, free lunch. Until Jesus makes it obvious to them. You don't need a free lunch. You need me. Uh, verse 27, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. You don't need free lunch. You need uh, the living bread, the Word of God. Uh, and so this is repeated again and again. You don't need a free lunch, you need me. Verse 28. uh, uh, The crowd hears Jesus say, work for food, so they ask, what should we do? And what does Jesus tell them they should do? Not really do anything, but believe the one he has sent. Now, verses 30 and 31, I think that's amazing. uh, Remarkable when you think of, what did Jesus just do? He fed a crowd of thousands. And so they have the boldness to ask, so what miraculous sign are you going to do that we may see it and believe you? What miraculous sign are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They already received bread from Jesus. They want more. They ask what miraculous sign when they had just seen a great one. Uh, And then Jesus says, Amen, I tell you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You don't need free lunch. You need me. Uh, And they keep saying, Sir, give us this bread all the time. We need a free lunch. And then uh, Jesus says it again. Each time, more clearly, more directly. Here he says, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never be hungry and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have also seen me and you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day." There are many parallel thoughts here to what Jesus says to the woman at the well about living water. Uh, Never go hungry, never go thirsty, I have something that will satisfy, I have something that will feed you from within. And we know that's the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus himself. Uh, Verse 36 is a hint of some things to come. Uh, Here we are starting to see uh, hardening of the heart. And we always connect that with the king of Egypt, but the concept is the same here. The king of Egypt saw 10 plagues and saw a pillar of fire and he saw the Red Sea zip open, and despite visible, tangible proof, he resisted anyway. And that's what we're going to see here, that the people uh, were so intent on free meals from Jesus that Jesus can display his power. He can explain himself clearly, but because they're not getting what they want, they walk away. Despite uh, an obvious display, uh, they harden their hearts against what they have seen. Uh, Later on, we'll see uh, the Pharisees and other Jewish leaders plotting after Jesus raises Lazarus in John chapter 11. And they say, well, if Jesus keeps doing stuff like this, everybody will believe in him. We've got to stop him. That's hardening of the heart. Uh, Obvious truths set before them, but harden their heart against it anyway. Uh, Verse 37. Uh, I found a, a catechism connection there. Think of the explanation to the third article of the creed. Uh, I believe I cannot by my own reason or strength, thinking or choosing, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel. Verse 37 says, everyone the Father gives to me will come to me. Uh, Later it talks about the Father draws people to himself. Uh, This is God's work too. Uh, and then verse 39 when Jesus talks about this is the will of him who sent me. Verse 40, this is the will of my father. Um, we had that at the end of chapter 5. Is Jesus here to do his own thing? Even Jesus uh, is obedient to the will of his father. Uh, then look at verse 40. Something else that I've been suggesting we do as we read the Gospel of John is try to find how many places can you find John three sixteen or parts of it and this is almost all of it. Uh, God so loved the world, this is the gracious loving will of my Father, He gave His only Son, uh, God presents His Son for those to see and then the last part of that sentence is directly from John 3 16 whoever believes in him may have eternal life and then Jesus repeats this I will raise him up at the last day in this chapter Jesus says that four times I will raise you up at the last day raise you up at the last day um, that's especially important in this chapter because What kind of life and what kind of sustaining of life are they looking for? Bread for the day. What kind of life is Jesus offering them? Life forever. Uh, So, Verse 41. So the Jews started grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They ask, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? So how can he say I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, stop grumbling among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes to me. I'm not saying that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He is the one who has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I tell you, the one who believes in me has eternal life. We've got some repeats here. Uh, uh, The repeat of the grumbling. Uh, We've got uh, verse 47 has part of John 3.16 in it. Uh, Jesus is emphasizing you don't need a free lunch. You need me. Then, verses 48 to 51, uh, I want to just look at this this paragraph and just relish it and enjoy it. And see how clearly Jesus talks about himself and who he is and what he has to give. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. You don't need a free lunch. You need me. You don't need a free lunch and take in bread and fish. You need to take in me and everything I am and everything I have to give. Uh, And in verse 51 what is Jesus looking ahead to? I'm going to give up my flesh for the life of the world. Uh, Reminds us of John chapter 3, with the Son of Man being lifted up. And verse 52, uh, we see this happening again. Is the problem that people misunderstand him, or is the problem that people do? understand him, and they figure out, he's not given what we're looking for. That the Jews argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Amen, amen, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like your fathers ate and died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. Many repeated thoughts. Jesus certainly does teach us about daily bread and teaches us to pray for it daily, but this is more than bread for the day, more than physical sustenance for the day. You eat this bread, you will live forever. Uh, The thing about flesh and blood, some people have seen this as talking about the Lord's Supper But we remember this is happening around the time of the second Passover of Jesus' ministry. He gives the Lord's Supper around the time of the third Passover. So it's about a year before Maundy Thursday. So he's not talking about that flesh and blood. He's talking about, take in me everything I am, everything I have to give, everything that I am saying to you, that is the living bread. Uh, Now let's pause here for a little application. And you may be getting tired of me keeping, continuing to say they're looking for a free lunch. Well, they were. And then there were some that were looking for a revolution. It's time for us to stop and to pause and to think, why are we following Jesus? Are we looking for something other than what he is giving? Are we looking for something other than full salvation, great and free? Uh, are we looking for uh, prosperity and success And as you know, there is a a trend in TV preaching, uh, prosperity gospel. God wants you to be successful. What about when you're not? Does God bless then either? Then too. Uh, Do people come looking for success? Do do people follow Jesus? Do people come to church for the status that they think it gives them? Do people come to church for the sense of community? Not that these are bad things by themselves, but we have to ask ourselves, are we coming to Jesus for something other than the main thing he's giving? Uh, Why are we following Jesus? Why are we members of a church? Is it because of our ethnic heritage? Uh, Is it because we've always gone to church? Is it because of family pressure? We find other things, other reasons why we're following Jesus, other than the true thing that he has to give. Can we fall into the same trap as the crowd looking for something from Jesus other than what he's giving? Looking for lesser things that he is not going to give and ignoring the greater things that he gives promises, some that he's already given. Uh, Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Uh, Yeah, that is a good application for us. Uh, That's section 53 to 58, uh, Jesus' theme of the whole section has been, you don't need a free lunch, you need me, everything I am, uh, everything I have to give. Okay. Uh, now, uh, some people are starting to have enough of Jesus. Verse 59 and following. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. When they heard it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard hard teaching. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, Does this cause you to stumble in your faith? What if you would see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh does not help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who would not believe and the one who would betray him. This is why he said, or he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is given to him by the Father. Uh, After this, many of his disciples turned back and were not walking with him anymore. Let's pause there. Uh, Some people, they realize a a new meal, a a new feeding is not coming, so they walk away. Uh, They're confused about Jesus talking about himself as the bread of life, so some say this is a hard teaching, who can listen to it? Uh, Verse 63, Jesus talks about the struggle of flesh and spirit with with faith. And truly for everyone, uh, faith is always a struggle. Uh, it will always be a struggle because we've got our faith in self that is so hard to shake. We got faith in so many other things in our world that's so hard to shake. We've got our desires, that's flesh is connected to desire too. Uh, We have our desires for things that are other things that Jesus hasn't promised. And when we don't get what we're looking for, we think God has let us down. Uh, That's the struggle that flesh has with faith. Uh, So Jesus says the the flesh doesn't help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Uh, Verse 64 is a foreshadowing of Judas. We see that again at the end uh, of the chapter. Jesus knows who's going to betray him. He knows what's about to happen. Uh, Then uh, at 66 and following, after this, many of his disciples turned back and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus asked the twelve, You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. In Matthew, about this same time is when Jesus asks his disciples, Who do people say I am? Some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That may be a similar situation, or a parallel, a near parallel to this. Uh, Jesus asks the twelve, you don't want to leave two, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And here we have another who is Jesus moment. The Christ, the Son of the living God, the Holy One of God. And then another foreshadowing of Judas and what he will do. Uh, Did I not choose you, the twelve, yet one of you is a devil? He meant Judas, Simon, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, because Judas was going to betray Jesus. So again, remember my two announcements from the beginning. Uh, First in-person Bible classes begin next week, September 14th and 16th, Monday at 7, Wednesday at 11, and we will not be live streaming but I will record them in this manner and uh, put them up after 12 o'clock noon on Wednesday. So. We'll see you in person, many of you in person next week. God's blessings to you.